Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. It's Allie. Of course, you can watch this on crtv.com slash Allie. And if you're not already subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen, you should definitely do that. And you can leave me a nice review, but only if you're going to do five stars. If you have constructive criticism, please email me, Allie at the conservative millennial blog.com. I love your constructive criticism, but I don't like less than five star reviews because sometimes I get four star reviews that are completely positive in the text, but they just let me four star and it makes me really sad. And then you get the trolls that just leave me one star and they're like, I hate Allie. Please don't do that. If you're listening to me, I hope that you like me and leave me a five-star review. I would really appreciate it. Okay, today I'm going to answer some of you guys' questions. You guys's, your, I don't know, your questions that you sent me on Instagram. I told you that I was going to be answering a lot of questions today. So I'm going to, and I have a variety of questions. So this is gonna be a podcast that relates to everyone that's listening, whether or not your questions were answered. We'll get into all of the topics that, you like to talk about that I know that you guys love to talk about, but I'm going to do it through the direct questions that were asked to me. It got some very intriguing ones. So I'll be interested to hear what you guys think. But first, actually, I'm not going to steal Ben Shapiro's ad introduction. Just thought it would be funny for a second. Um, but to start, I am going to tell you about Bolster Sleep told you about it for the first time on Tuesday. Maybe you've already bought your pillow, which you definitely should have. I don't think I mentioned on Tuesday that the pillow that Bolster Sleep sells is actually like a cooling pillow and so is their mattress. So it actually makes you feel cooler while you sleep. I like to have a million blankets on me. I don't know why. And I'm like sweating by the middle of the night. But this pillow keeps me nice and cool. Like I said on Tuesday, this is the best pillow I've ever used. And I would not be telling you that if I didn't think it. I wouldn't be doing this ad if I didn't like the pillow. I only have to sleep with one pillow versus three pillows now. I don't have a crick in my neck. I sleep through the night. I'm cool. I'm comfortable. It's awesome. My husband wants to steal mine. I don't let him because I love it so much. The cool thing about Bolster 2 is not just that they do awesome products for all of your sleeping needs. So they've got the mattresses, they've got the pillows, but they're also just a great company with good people and they have a really good cause. Uh, for every item that you buy, you are also supporting people in Haiti uh, that Bolster supports through a program that trains them to do practical jobs so that they can support themselves and support their families. So you're doing good, not just for yourself, but also for people in Haiti, for people who who need our help. So it's really a win-win situation. So one thing that's actually cool though about uh, Bolster's products is that they have something called Tincel. I think that's how you say it. Tincel fabric that actually wicks away the heat. That's how it keeps you cool. Wicks away heat and moisture. So if you sweat when you sleep or anything like that, you don't have to tell me about it. But this Tincel fabric is gonna help you. Um, it also has uh, pocketed coils that absorb movement. So you can't feel people getting in and out of bed. That's amazing. Um, I think that's why it works so well. That's why I don't move as much when I sleep, just because of the makeup of the pillow itself. I can't wait to actually try the uh, the mattress. Uh, made and manufactured in the USA, the mattresses and eco-friendly materials are used. Delivery is free, which is a big deal. And they offer a 100-day in-home trial. Um, so make sure to switch to this if you're looking for a mattress or looking for a pillow or just want to get a better night's sleep. You can go to bolstersleep.com. You should use promo code Allie, A-L-L-I-E, for $100 off. That's a lot of freaking money that you're saving just by typing in my name, A-L-L-I-E, bolstersleep.com, $100 off. Start with the pillow. Maybe you'll graduate to the mattress and you'll just be 
sleeping, sleeping like a baby and you'll be happy. Okay, so now we're going to get into these questions that I was sent by you lovely people. I get lots of questions from you on Instagram. That seems to be the number one place that I uh, receive critiques or encouragement or whatever it is. Sometimes I get these really crazy messages from people, mean messages from people. But most of the time you guys send me very nice messages or you just like tell me about your day, which I really love. One thing that I love that you guys do, I feel like I've started a trend and I definitely need to make products that have trash person on the t-shirt or on the sweatshirt because I do call myself a trash person because I, um, don't like to wear makeup or brush my hair or do anything like that. And I'm totally fine going out in public that way. And I take a picture of myself and I call myself a trash person. I post on social media and you guys seem to relate to that. So I love that I have all of these trash people that are following this podcast and then trash people can just unite with all of our trashy ways. So take, t- uh, what am I trying to say? Um, just, just be on the lookout. That's what I'm trying to say. Be on the lookout for uh, a trash person piece of memorabilia. I don't know what it is yet. And if you are good at design, you can come to me and you can design it. That'll be fun. But anyway, I get very profound messages as well, not just trash people messages. And I get really good questions. So today I just wanted to take the time to answer a lot of your questions uh, because they're worth answering and I don't always get to do that. So first question or one of the questions that I got that I'm going to answer first is what would you recommend to someone with a strained relationship with God? This person says, I want to believe and be at peace, but I am at a place in life where I feel like he almost doesn't care about me or is trying to sabotage me. So if you were sitting in front of me and we were getting coffee, I would say, girl, what's going on in your life? What are you thinking about? What are you reading on a daily basis? How often are you in the word? Are you going to church? Are you in community? Are you around fellow Christians? What's kind of filling your mind? And that's the question that we have to ask all of ourselves. Like when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling doubtful, which I feel all of those things probably on a daily basis, I have to ask myself, what are the habits and what are the actions of my day that are uh, causing these thought patterns? Or is it something that happened to you? Maybe you are doing all of those things, but you're going through a really hard time. Like you feel like your family's betraying you, like everyone is against you. One thing after another just keeps going the wrong way. It's a series of unfortunate events. And you're like, how can a good God be letting all of this bad stuff happen to me? Like, what have I done? And I would want to hear about all of that. Um, But I would also want to know, I would also want to know in those times, if you're going through a hard time, what are you turning to? Are you turning to social media? Are you turning to self-help books? Are you turning to yourself? Where are you getting your affirmation? Are you getting your affirmation from how many likes you get on on Instagram, which is something that all of us do? Um, Who are you turning to for advice, for truth, and for help? Because what I see a lot of times in all of us, I've talked to you guys about a sinful and dark and hard time that I had when I was in college where I was drinking too much, partying too much. I had an eating disorder. I was chasing after all of the wrong things, even though I knew better. Um, And I was having my own doubts about my faith. And if God really could satisfy me, if he really was as good and as trustworthy as he said that he was. um, But the reason I was 
having those doubts is because in the midst of my doubts, I was turning to other things for satisfaction and truth. I was really turning to myself and my friends who I knew weren't going to tell me anything, right? And to drinking and to all of these things that made me temporarily happy instead of going to the word and going to the source of truth, which is scripture. Um, I was turning to, because I think in the midst of those times too, when we start downing and we're going through hard things, we almost don't want to know the truth because it's difficult. This idea that God is trustworthy, even in the midst of our adversity, that he is good, even in the midst of hardship is difficult to understand. And it almost feels like it's not satisfying because it's a choice that we have to make to actually believe that it's very difficult to believe it. And it doesn't always feel good. So what I encourage you to do, what I've had to encourage myself and other people I know to do is to when you're doubting, don't go further away from the truth, go towards the truth. Seek him in the midst of your doubts, go to the word. And specifically the passages that I want you to read that have helped me so much when I'm feeling very insecure or down on myself is Psalm 25, Psalm 27, Psalm 37, and Psalm 139. And Romans 8 is another good one. But all of those depict God as uh, one aspect of his character is that he is a warrior. He's someone who fights for us. He's someone who cares about the battles that we have in front of us. He's someone who takes care of us, that has had a plan for us since we were in our mother's womb before that, who is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. He does care about you. He is not trying to sabotage you. And I can tell you right now that that is a lie from the pit of hell. That's not who God is. He is a good God. He is a good father who cares more about you than you could ever care about yourself, more about you than any person on earth could ever care about you. He knows you better than anyone else does. He loves you more than anyone else does. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you, to die a brutal death on the cross just so you could spend forever with him. That's amazing love. The Bible says for a good person, one might even die, but for a bad person, no one's going to die for a bad person. But that's exactly what Jesus did for us, that while we were still weak, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves you. There is absolutely no truth whatsoever that God does not care about you or that he is trying to sabotage you. He loves you and he wants what's best for you, even when life is hard. Um, that's actually when I think when we can see him most and that we have the greatest opportunity to draw near to him and to see the fullness of who he is, which is a comforting, loving, gracious father. So I encourage you Psalm 25, Psalm 27, Psalm 37, Psalm 139, Romans eight. There are so many other scriptures too, but those have helped me in my own times of insecurity and doubt, which I have had plenty of. So that's a great question. Thank you so much for asking me that. Um, next question is, would you consider fostering or adopting children? Um, I'm guessing children, not pets, although I would do that. But I think you're talking about kids. And yes, I would. I definitely would. Uh, my s sister and brother-in-law, Yes, sister and brother-in-law. I always get like how you say that wrong sometimes. Anyway, um, they adopted from China, little Maddox, and he's the cutest thing ever. Not that that matters in adopting, but I've been able to kind of from afar watch that whole process and I have been able to see that it's a very sanctifying, very difficult process, a process that brings you closer to Christ because you see in adoption what... Christ did for us, what God did for us through Christ, that he adopted us, that we are abandoned and 
uh, without purpose and without direction and without a home without him. And he took us in. That's exactly what he does. That is exactly what the gospel is. And I think it's such a beautiful depiction of that. And so I have seen people really experience that almost for the first time through fostering and through adoption. I think it's one of the greatest manifestations, um, of of the gospel and of course the bible tells us to take care of orphans to take care of widows now i don't know i i just don't know i'm not saying one way or the other i don't know if everyone is called to adopt i'm not sure i think that we're all called to take care of orphans and widows no matter how that looks in our life i don't know if everyone is called to adopt it would be amazing if everyone who could adopt did i think that we have would have a lot fewer problems that way but i would love to one day. Uh, I really hope that we're able to. Next question. I thought this was interesting. I've heard it before, but I've never really teased it out. Uh, should Christians use commentaries? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't want to say should I do use commentaries. I like commentaries. Now, some people say that you shouldn't because nothing is superior to or even equal to God's word. And that's absolutely true. But I don't think that there is any problem with looking at looking at the wisdom of scholars who have come before us, who have taken time, years out of their lives, decades out of their lives to study the scripture, to study the Greek and the Hebrew, to study the the history, the context of all of it. And they have done us a huge service by compiling all of that in these books that we get to wade through. Now, every single sentence of commentary that you read must be weighed against scripture. And I, I don't think that we should see commentaries as divine commentaries are going to be fallible because they are written by men who are also fallible and they are not the inspired word of God the way the Bible is. So on some things, there might be two equally technically biblical opinions that don't that don't align, that might oppose each other because we just haven't reached a theological consensus on this particular theological issue. And then there are others that are just plain biblical and just plain not biblical, and you should be able to weigh them against scripture. But we do the best that we can with what we have. Of course, praying to God for wisdom through the Holy Spirit. Of course, weighing every commentary that we read against scripture. And if something is contrary, that just means that you need to dig a little bit deeper. I think the important thing is, is that we don't just read commentaries that meet our preconceived notions and don't just fit our comfortable worldview. So if I'm a liberal, for example, just reading liberal commentaries that say, oh, the Bible was written by, was written a long time ago and it's up for interpretation depending on how culture feels, that's probably not good. You're probably just going to get a reaffirmation of what you already believe and you might not actually be weighing those commentaries against scripture. So it's important to also know uh, the methodology of the commentaries. I read systematic theology. I have the ESV study Bible. I agree with their methodology of uh, eisegesis of, or exegesis, sorry, not eisegesis, of going into the scripture, analyzing the scripture in its fullness, and then going from there. Eisegesis does the opposite. It has a purpose. It has a topic. It has uh, the interpretation that it wants it, and then it goes into scripture to support that view. I do not support eisegesis. Exegetical teaching is what you want. Systematic theology is what you want. Systematic theology, the book by Wayne Grudem, actually, um, 
talks about what systematic theology is and the methodology behind it. That's what I recommend. Other people out there might also have uh, great recommendations. Reformed Theology, I think, is actually a Instagram account. I think that's the name of it. They have book recommendations all the time. I certainly have not read all of the books that they recommend, but that might be a good place to start. I do read commentaries, I, but I also personally love the Bible. Like I don't always have to read commentaries, but I have questions every day about the Bible and it's just a good place to go and say, okay, what does this person say? Who knows more than me? Oh, what does scripture say? I like that or not. I like that, but that is true or that's not true. You know, you have to have kind of analytical thinking and all of that. Are you a sweet tea person? Very important question. I'm not. My whole family's sweet tea people. My family's from Arkansas, Louisiana, and we've lived in Texas forever. But no, we're. I'm not a sweet tea people. They are sweet tea people. I've just never liked tea. I don't really like tea that much at all. I'm trying to drink tea at night. I get super stressed at night before I go to bed. I'm thinking about all the things that I have to do. And... Um, I am thinking about all the places that I have to travel and everything that's on my to-do list. So I'm trying to drink tea at night, but I'm not a sweet tea person. I think it's good. I think it maybe saves me some calories because if I did like sweet tea, I'd probably drink it all the time. I am a LaCroix person. I drink a lot of sparkling water, which I hear is actually has like a insecticides in it now, has like cockroach killer in it. I hope to gosh, that is not true because if so, I am just, I mean, cockroaches don't stand a chance around me if that's true. Um, any advice for dealing with family that holds strongly liberal views? That would be really hard, girl or guy, whoever sent me this. I don't remember if it was a girl or guy. I think it was a girl. More power to you for getting to where you are. I would love to hear how you became a conservative. I know that's got to be a very difficult thing. I don't know what it's like to change my views from how I grew up. I was raised a conservative Christian. So that's got to be, that's just got to be really difficult. So first of all, good for you for changing your mind. Um, for conversations with them, I would be as kind and as loving and as non-confrontational as you can be to maintain the relationships. That doesn't mean that you can't say what you think is true, but I think I think it means like gently challenging them when they say something that you don't agree with, that when they say something about abortion or Trump or whatever it is, something that they see on the news, just asking them, saying, well, why do you think that? Or, well, actually, I think this, or, well, also, this is true. Just kind of gently pushing back and making them think for themselves, because that's really the goal to convert any liberal to conservatism is just get them to start thinking for themselves. Just push back against the things that they've been hearing constantly from every single source of information that they have. Ask them questions. Ask them, why, why are you pro-choice? So, okay, you are for illegal immigration or you are for open borders. Is there any, is, is there any amount of illegal immigration that you think is bad? At what point can we say, okay, these certain people are not allowed in our country? Just start making them think about the things that they believe, but always let them know that like you love them, that you think that they're great people, if you do think they're great people, and that you're there for them no matter what, and that politics is secondary. Best female role models in politics. Uh... I really, I mean, I love Nikki Haley. I think that she is strong, that she is confident, that she is stoic when she needs to be stoic. She's passionate when she needs to be passionate. She is not trying to not be feminine. Like she's not trying to, to me, she doesn't seem like she's trying to, 
be more manly or be a masculine or be masculine because that's what she has to be to be in this powerful position. I think that she is just who she is. I think she has strong values that she has strong core conservative principles. I think she's done a great job of fighting for America and America first and staying above the fray uh, in all of this political gossip that we've seen. If you remember, she was accused of having maybe an illicit affair with the president in that uh, crazy book. I don't even fire and fury maybe. And she just like rose above that. Didn't even entertain it. I just think that she's a no nonsense person that also comes across as empathetic. She's done a great job. I'm very sad that she's stepping down. She says that she's not running in 2020. Probably smart. I would love for her to run after that. Uh, now 2024 is probably going to be a Democrat. I would love for her to run at some point. I think that she would be great. And she's got time. She's pretty young, uh, relatively. So that would be a female uh, role model in politics. I don't really have female role models in political media. I love Megyn Kelly. I've always loved Megyn Kelly. I don't agree with all of her views. Uh, I'm also not surprised that she was fired from NBC. NBC doesn't like her. And she's pushed back hard against the Kavanaugh thing. Like she's been on the conservative side for the Kavanaugh thing. She's not particularly politically correct. Now, I did not agree with her blackface comments. I didn't agree when she said on Fox News that Santa and Jesus were white. Like she says things that I don't agree with. And she's not, I mean, she's not a conservative. She would say that she's not a conservative, I think. But I just like her. I think she's so smart. I think that she is the sharpest person on television, that no one can win an argument like Megyn Kelly. I will probably never be like her. I just don't know if I have that skill set. And plus she was a prosecutor and all of that. I just think Megyn Kelly is one of the smartest, smartest people in political media. I don't know her though. So I, I couldn't even exactly call her a role model, but she's just awesome to me. But that's about it. Unfortunately, it's hard to, it, it's hard to relate sometimes to females in media. Sometimes there it's a dog eat dog world. That's why I live in my little cocoon in Texas away from DC and New York, uh, outside of all of the drama. Uh, what narratives, I thought this question was very interesting. What narratives, uh, okay, I think I need to word it a little bit differently so it makes sense. What narratives are the right pushing and what narratives are the left pushing that you think are going to be common opinion in 20 years time? Well, first of all, the right doesn't have that great of a track record in pushing a narrative that suddenly becomes mainstream. Maybe at one point they did. Maybe I think what are now considered conservative opinions were mainstream at one point, but that just shows you that it's really progressives that have the track record in pushing their opinions into the mainstream. I think in 20 years time, there are going to be a lot of progressive opinions that become mainstream. I hope not. And now we can push back against these with all of our might, but we're already seeing so much censorship of ideas that go against the progressive tropes that it's hard for me to see how they won't become mainstream. Um, definitely gay marriage and, you know, homosexuality in general will be completely and totally seen as, I would say, not even a sin. I think most Christians in 20 years will say that it's not a sin, that it's perfectly acceptable, just as acceptable as a straight relationship. And I think that we will also see the whole gender debate be absolutely shut down, that gender is completely fluid, that man and woman is just based on your subjective feelings of whether or not you believe that you're a man or a woman. Now, the only thing that could push back against that is another section of progressives, which is the feminists. 
the feminists are going to end up being frustrated that men are still beating us at everything because of the transgender movement, that men who are competing against us are winning all of our races, that no longer can, are we going to be able to say the first woman did this, the first woman did that, because they're all going to be men who became women. And they're going. there's going to be an uprising among feminists who say, wait, 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 we worked this hard for the patriarchy to come back in the form of transgenderism. That's going to be interesting, but I do think that it'll become mainstream. The more and more people will say that being that gender is completely fluid, that you choose it, or I don't, I don't even know what what the argument is. It has nothing to do with sex whatsoever. They're going to stop um, saying that you're male or female at birth. And gosh, that breaks my heart. I'm like, I just want to homeschool my children and to protect them from all of this nonsense and raise them as conservatively as possible. And and the crazy thing is, is that it's like not even conservative. It's just normal to say, oh yeah, there's male and female and that's what it is. And that's what that means. There's differences between male and female. I think that's going to be the great debate over the past or over the next 20 years. Um, next, what should I do when they are teaching liberalism in my school? I go to a Catholic school. I can't just stand by and watch. I think that's very difficult. Again, same with the question that I answered earlier with the families. I think that you just ask seemingly innocent questions. Ask your friends why they believe what they believe. Talk to the administration. Talk to your parents if they're on your side. Really try to articulate your concerns in a very logical way. Try to present your side as, look, I feel like I'm being indoctrinated by certain ideologies that are certain opinions that I don't agree with. Here's where I stand. Here's what the Bible says. And, you know, pick your battles. Not every fight is worth having. Uh, But talk about the things that are important to you and push back on them in a gentle, loving, but very logical way. People might call you a bigot. They might call you stupid. And if you have to be a little bit quieter for the next couple of years until you graduate to get good grades, that might be what you have to do. But that doesn't mean that you should be bullied into that. If you need to reserve your opinions, I think that's okay. But don't let them bully you. Don't let them make you feel guilty for believing what you believe. Remember that you are not the extremist that they are, that conservatism was mainstream, not that long ago and our views are not only normal, but they have been tried by history and have worked. So stay strong. I'm here for you. You can always message me if you need me. Uh, how much should you worry about your GPA? Uh, I did not. I did not worry about my GPA. Now I made decent grades. I would say I was like a B plus student, but I always, whenever there was an opportunity to not study and go hang out with someone, I always took that opportunity. I don't, maybe that was probably, I don't know. It was probably just my way of procrastinating, but I always was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give up on a conversation for homework. I'm glad that I did that. Now, there are a few things I probably could have worked harder on, probably could have gotten better grades in high school and college. Uh, But I did good at the things that I am good at. I did not so good, like, you know, B minus on the things that I'm not very good at. And I don't care. Like, I don't look back and think, wow, I really wish I would have done better in math. No, I I, I don't. Or biology 101. I don't think that. But it also depends on what you're doing in life. Like, you should worry about your GPA if you're trying to get into med school, if you're trying to get into law school. I wasn't. But if you're trying to do that, then yeah, you should probably worry about your GPA because that's going to set you up for the rest of your life. But if you're not, then... Do the best that you can because you are stewarding the gift that God has given you of getting an education, which is an amazing privilege that not everyone in the world has. But 
Don't find your worth in it. Don't ruin your life over it. Don't be obsessed with it. Don't let it uh, bring you down and steal your joy. It's, do you think God is God's plan for you is going to be determined by a grade point average? It's not. He's much bigger than that. Okay, let's see how many more questions. Okay, last question. Hi, Allie. Do you have any advice for someone who is nearly conservative? My boyfriend of three years has converted me slowly with his patient's willingness to argue and facts. I've been following you for a few months as well as listening to other conservative podcasts. And for the first time in my life, I'm open to the idea of God. I'm still very apprehensive of organized religion. I haven't had the best experiences. History, mythology, and theology have always interested in me. Interested me. Um, is there anyone right way to approach reading scripture. You're awesome and keep on doing your thing. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you've been listening. And first of all, the fact that you are open enough to listen to conservative podcasts and open to the idea of God, even though you've been hesitant to be open until now, says a lot about you. It says a lot about your intellectual curiosity and your humility. So many people are so prideful that they're not willing to open their mind one bit to the possibility of something else. Um, or to the possibility that they might not know the whole truth. So good for you. Good for you for exploring and for wanting to get closer to truth. I would be interested to hear why you are open to the idea of God. What makes you believe that there could be a supreme being? I've talked a lot about uh, the existence of a universal moral law that we all have a sense inside us of right and wrong, of injustice and just. Now, some of that might be different from person to person, but in general, we all have this idea that some things are unjust, some things are just, and it's not based on what the government tells us. It's deeper than that. So if that exists, then there there must be some kind of moral law giver. And if there's a moral law giver, then who is that? It's got to be some kind of supreme being. So I'd be interested to hear what led you to that. Was it the idea of a moral law giver? I'd just be interested. So as a Christian, and I kind of touched on this when I was talking about, um, commentaries and theology. I personally, if I were you, I would start with the book of John. I think it's a very good book to start with. It really explains the gospels very well. I want you to start reading scripture and I want you to know that there is no stupid question. There is no question that is too basic. There is nothing that you should be walking into this saying, oh, I should already know that. I'm not going to ask my boyfriend or I'm not going to look that up or I'm not going to look into that. There is no question that's too dumb. There's no question that's too fundamental. There's no question that's too basic. I would start with John and I, I would get the ESV study Bible. I think that that's a great commentary. You're going to get really good theology from the commentary. It's going to break things down for you in a very, I think, a very simplified way. Um, and make sure that you're going to the right kind of people. There are going to be people that tell you that what the Bible says doesn't really matter, that you can take anything out that you don't like, that you can put anything in that you do like, as long as it makes you happy, as long as, as, long as it fits into your preconceived notions. That's not true. That's not what the Bible is, but I'll save that for later. I recommend getting the ESV study Bible though. Start with John, do uh, chunks of verses every day. You don't have to read a whole chapter a day. Look at the corresponding commentary, which is going to be below it and journal it. I love to write out what I'm thinking about it. It's okay if you're doubting. It's okay if you write out that something doesn't make sense. That's really going to help you analyze scripture and understand it. Um, I'd be interested to hear more about how this journey goes. And it's so interesting too, to hear how the journey towards conservatism 
almost always leads people to the idea of God because they really do go hand in hand. Conservatives believe that your rights are inherent, that they're not given to you by the government. They're given to you by a higher being. That higher being is God. It's very hard to be a conservative and and be an atheist and to make sense. So I just commend you for this journey. I commend you to be open and wanting to learn more. I'm proud of you. If you have any questions, you can send them to me, Allie at the conservative millennial blog.com, or you can message me here on Instagram like you did. But thanks for sending that to me. I loved all of your questions. They were wonderful and very profound. And I have a ton that I didn't answer. So I'll have to do another one of these. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Uh, It's almost the weekend. So enjoy the rest of your day. And I will see you next Tuesday. Bye.